1: the podcast appetite for distortion episode number 360 my name is Brando this is a huge episode when you probably want to watch there could be pyrotechnics I don't know but I'm safe here in my apartment in Queens who do we got here on our panel we got our our old friend Doug Goldstein how are you sir how's it going buddy where, where are you right now you on uh
0: Kansas City baby yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, I love it. With your Guns Roses black behind you, welcome back. Um, I'm going to welcome, I'm going to get to my guest, main guest, but Bill, I mean, because I'm distracted by your beautiful shirt that you're wearing, Bill Hollowell, uh, a fan of this podcast from the UK. How are you, buddy?
2: I'm great, yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's an absolute pleasure.
1: Awesome. And the reason why Doug and Bill are here today, we're going to meet Pyro Pete, who is- I mean, Pyro Pete, the name says it all. So if you're, if you clicked on this episode, the, ep, the episode title, we're going to do a series of anniversary episodes with people uh, that were on the User Illusion Tour, the one that lasted for two and a half years. And last episode, I was talking to Brian Raleigh from Ultimate Classic Rock, and he's even younger than me. Pete, Doug, I'm sorry. I mean, Bill, you're probably around my age, but I'm, I'm 38. I, I just, I missed it. So I missed your illusion tour. So I have to live vicariously through Doug's eyes. You know, as I'm I'm, I'm I've learned so much about his story, his background. Um Bill's going to hang out. We're going to try to see if we can even take some calls later for people who did go on the and did see one of your your pyrotechnics live and in person on that tour. But but I want to get to meet you. Like how did you how, you weren't born pyro pete i'm sure pyro was not your first name so i kind of want to get to know you a little bit where you're from how you got started did you were you like beavis as a kid lighting fires how do you get into your line of business and where you know i uh all
3: right so where you say you're queens i'm in queens yep i'm from long island where where uniondale Nassau county
1: i went to hofstra that was what I college i went to hofstra you you went to hofstra too Yeah. What did you major in? They didn't have pyro. (laughs)
0: Theater. Nice. Wow. Okay. Well,
3: let let me tell you the true story, though. You see? So, growing up on Long Island, and yes, at an early age, I figured out that you could take a Cool Whip container, an empty Cool Whip container, and put gasoline in it and put an M80 under it, light it, and run away and you would make a huge big fireball. And I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. So I've been <laughs> a little pyro from way back when. Now, I my mother was, my mother worked at Hofstra University. So wow. we got a greatly discounted tuition. So when I got thrown out of high school, my parents were devastated and they said, well, you know, the only way, you know, you, you've got to go to college. You've got to go to college. Okay, so I got a, I went and got an, a, a high school equivalency. And then I was like looking at, through Hostra at what they had and they did it. They had a good theater department. So I was a theater major, but only for a year because my friend's sister went out with a guy named Rob who used to do the pyro for the plasmatics. The old New York band, Wendy O. Williams and the plasmatics. So I was a theater major. They needed somebody to help build props and stuff like that. So sure. So I started working for the plasmatics and they offered me, you know, they were touring at the time. So I said, great, I'll, you know, drop out of college. So yeah, I went to Hostra for, you know, almost a full year and then uh, got a job in the industry. But at the same time, I was like working for a a couple of different scenery houses that made scenery and stuff. So I was, you know, I was going to be a, a theater tech of some sort. Okay. but when I, when the plasmatics hired me, the Rob who got me the job, I used to help him do the pyro. So I would, get there. I would help build props. I would set the stuff up and then I would help him with the pyro. Then he was doing TV and movies and didn't want to tour anymore. And the plasmatics were just getting popular. And I mean, touring for us in the day was we'd leave on Wednesday. We would do Thursday, Friday, Saturday in the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. You know, we'd go down to Florida for a weekend and stuff like that. And Rob didn't want a tour because he was doing, as I said, TV and movies in Manhattan. So he taught me how to do the pyro. So that was the the begin, beginning of it all. So started working for the Plasmatics, and this was like 1980, like 1981, 1982. And the plasmatics were good. You know, we blew up cars and stuff. You have a minute to, you know, Google plasmatics and Wendy O. And and, uh, we used to blow up cars on stage. We used to do all kinds of crazy shit on stage. Uh, We had a shotgun and she shot at the lights and the lights blew up and things fell down. And, you know, she just always liked putting theatrics into the show. It was was a very heavy, heavy theatrical show. So that was it. That was my start. And then the plasmatics were opening for kiss and the pyro company that was doing kiss was the manufacturer for the pyro. So I knew these guys cause I was buying a lot of pyro from them for the plasmatics. And then when we finally met each other, they said, well, after this plasmatics tour, do you, you know, we could, we could use a guy. So basically I did, I went from the plasmatics to kiss, to uh, Def Leppard, Pyromania.
1: Wow. <laughs>
3: so I did the Pyromania tour with Def Leppard. And then from there, it was, you know, I met the production manager for ACDC and they had just built the cannons and they were having some issues trying to make everything work. So I got signed on with ACDC. So I've taken care of the cannons forever. And uh, then, you know, one thing leads to another and then that led to Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and that all led to Guns N' Roses and Metallica. So the early 80s was all, the, my beginning of my career was was ACDC, uh, Motley Crue. No, Motley Crue was later. It was ACDC, kind of Judas Priest, Iron Maiden, uh, Def Leppard, Kiss. And then I think then it started getting into Motley Crue and then Metallica. And it was all the good years, like, you know, the, the black album like, and, and justice for all. That was my first Metallica tour was justice for all.
1: Oh my goodness. You know,
3: and like Judas Priest was like screaming for vengeance and all that, you know, it was when metal was metal and, and all of the years of Iron Maiden somewhere in time and, uh, you know, all the really great, great Iron Maiden albums. So that time was just an amazing, like that was the peak of metal that, that was it. You know
1: yeah. I mean obviously you're here we're here to talk GNR, but with the just starting with Wendy Williams and the Plasmatics, you just you talking about uh pyromania literally the you can't get more of a peak of being a pyrotechnic than to do the pyromania tour, the canons yeah. of a c d c Doug was i think if anything underselling you by saying you were the greatest pyrotechnic person in the world you? what's the next level up you've you've hit every like uh, dream it, scenario
0: and i i said this off camera and i'll see it on camera now guys literally pyro Pete is i don't know one person who a doesn't love the guy and i don't know one person who wouldn't want to bring him into their scenario because as a manager what you do is i mean usually you have to you know oversee the products and all that but with a guy like Pete. You just go, dude. Just go. Paint the canvas. I don't care what you do.
3: And that that was one of the great things about GNR is you guys, well, you and the rest of the band, and we'll have to talk about Axel separate. Yeah. Kind of knew what you wanted and just knew the flavor and didn't want to micromanage it. Just (laughs) said, make this look great, which is easy. Because then, you know, especially I was into the band, so it, it it's easy to just start with a blank piece of paper and go, okay, well, let's do this and let's do that. And, you know, what moments are, are big? You know, what's the, the, the biggest songs? And, you know, what do we want to dress up and what don't, you know? So it was really good to be on it from the beginning and to really build that show. And then, you know, even the the, the beginning of it, was a little shaky too because I remember we changed cues around. Sometimes you think, oh, it works good in rehearsal, and you try and shoot it; it doesn't look good. But everybody was cool with you know going, hey, let's move this cue to that. I mean, it took half the tour to get it sorted yeah. to where to where we liked it. Yeah. And then you interject Axel into it, <laughs> with, you know, changing the order of songs and not doing songs. One of the greatest things was at the end of the show we we had like a finale. So if Axel didn't choose to sing, if he, if they didn't play a pyro song that night, we just rolled that pyro into the finale. So the finale just got bigger, you You know, it was like, yeah, it was like, we're shooting it all every night. We're not, you know,
0: So it it, was good fun. From a manager's perspective, it was so nice because you don't tell Picasso how to paint a painting. You just go, you are the man. And, and, and to that end, it was a real blessing for me to be able to work with the very best in the industry. I had Get you when it comes to pyro. I had Opie, right, when it comes to production manager. Well, you had all the, I mean, you had
3: top notch. I mean, that was A-team all the way.
0: Bob you Wilder know? and Bill Greer, the security yeah. guys, and Bob Wine. I mean, these guys, yeah. you know, Pete, those guys are like
3: the. yeah. I, and I've worked with them on many other things. Bob, you know, with the Stones for years and years. So, I mean, that was all, you know, that that was all a team. But it was also, like I said, it was a good Mel. Like, everybody got along. And, you know, even though there was fighting and squabbling, it was fun fighting and squabbling, if there's such a thing. Yeah, I mean, it was never like, I'm going to fucking kill that guy. It was always like, ah, oh, what an asshole. All right, and then tomorrow's another day. Right.
0: you know so, uh, I'm Pete I'm particularly interested in how you set up the pyro for a song that everybody knows live and let die because you had that was a great 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 song that you really yeah. shaped the, the live production of
3: right and it, it was again you know we it was interesting because that's actually kind of an understated because on the for the live and let die's da 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 bom, bom We just did Concussion. Oh, wow.
0: Okay. It was
3: just... And then, then we rolled in some, some pyro flashes, you know? And then we built and built and built and built. So by the time we got to the finale, it was a huge finale because there's so many hits in that song. If you did each one the same, the kids would be bored. Right. You know. So like I said, the first couple of times we did it, it was a bang with flames. And then the second chorus, it was a bang with pyro. And then the third chorus, it was bangs with airburst. Right. So each time the kids had something new, I mean, you know, cause I've had this argument, you, you know, with bands and I've had this argument with both kiss and Motley Crue, where, when you're sitting and down and they're talking about adding new, you know, new stuff. Well, you got to just look at them and go, you know, Nikki, Mick, whatever you right now we've got every song begins with pyro and every song ends with pyro and the kids aren't going to remember any of it.
2: That's right.
3: You know, it's just going to become a blur. So with GNR, we were able to take, which is my favorite thing to do. We were able to take songs and make it huge with the pyro. Like it's pointless doing a little bit of pyro. If you're going to do a little bit of pyro, just don't do it at all.
0: Right.
3: You know, and then you can do, too much pyro. So instead of doing that, why don't you take four or five songs and make those songs huge pyro numbers? Right, right, right. Because then the kids are going to remember it, you yeah. know? They're going to remember, all oh, Paradise City had that crazy pyro right after he blew the whistle, you know? yeah. And, and Guns N' Roses had, that, had the flames and then the, this. They'll remember it. Like, if you ask somebody at a Kiss show or a Motley Crue show, and, I, and I've done both of these tours, what was their favorite pyro cue? They couldn't tell you because so there was a hundred of them. It's overworked, it's you know. Overworked. But a GNR yeah. show, like ACDC, dc everybody knew it was the cannons. It was the cannons. Those about to rock. Sure. It was the cannons. You know, Guns and Roses. It was "Live and Let Die." It was "Paradise City." Now we did have other songs that that had pyro cues, but they were all memorable. You know, big big productions. So that's, that's the way to, do. I've, I've always been, I always tell clients, look, if I'm going to press the button, shit's going to happen. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm going to press the button. It's going to be a hundred things. It's not going to be 10. Is,
0: is there a you know, mis? because as everybody, I'm sorry, Brandon, okay. but it's interesting because uh, most people that watch this know that I started in security, right? I mean, I was working those sun shows, Pete, and I was working the who shows and I was working all these mega outdoor shows. And we never did it with GNR because the guys always hung out, but I used to love the massive pyro out so the band can just get in the cars and haul ass. So it actually acts as a deterrent. Yeah. People are watching what you're doing and the band's in their cars hauling ass. (laughs) That's why the
3: formula for the Rolling Stones is there's an A and a B finale. There's a finale while the band is on stage bowing which is like a small kind of 100-foot, you know, in the stadiums. And then once the band gets in the limos, then we go with the big – and it's just to keep the people staring, oh,
0: while the band gets the hell out of there. Hmm. You know?
1: And that's something that's been missing off. Bill, I don't know if you've noticed. A lot of fans have complained. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm sorry, Brandon. I was going to ask Bill because I haven't seen a Guns N' Roses show. This, they're, this,
1: They're not doing pyro. So or I don't not. know. I'm just curious. Is that a GNR decision? Is that a is that do you see that more in rock bands now? Maybe because hey, of Bill? some incidents that have happened.
0: Yeah. See, I'd love to ask Bill that question too. Bill, you've been to a couple of shows on the on the reunion tour. Is that your experience too? Is they're not doing pyram?
2: No. the The most all they seem to have now is a big screen, uh-huh. a massive screen at the back, and that shows all different kind of Guns and Roses related artwork. So let me ask and the, Pete, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, finish, Bill, I'm sorry. Um, they just have the confetti cannons at the end, if I remember correct, but yeah,
0: not,
2: I right the, no explosions or anything. Um, no. and, uh, so what would, if they were to add, Pete, uh, yeah.
0: Pyro, what would a presentation like you did back on Use Your Illusion, what would that cost today?
1: What did it cost then? <laughs> Can we ask that? Or. <laughs>
3: Um, um, I can't remember what I had for lunch yesterday. That's You know, the the prices have gone, I mean, uh, well, 20,000, sh- I mean, different, a, you know, there's a.
1: Well, here's a question, though, to go along with that. I was thinking of, because how do you test this? And it's got to be an expensive. These are expensive things to make. You know, obviously, when yeah. you're young, you're MacGyvering things, putting it together. But these are these are professional things. I'm sure with safety mechanisms and you're, it can't be the first time you're using it during the show, right? You got to test it or or not.
3: Well, no, it depends on, you know, if you're talking about a flame system or pyro, pyro, you know, that we have a network of manufacturers that we use and, you know, this guy makes these good and this guy makes these good. And we buy this from that guy. So the pyro, we know, and then, You know, we'll talk to the band and we'll talk to the lighting designer and, you know, typically there's, you know, there's an overall show designer, which is usually a lighting designer. And we'll talk about what colors they do or don't like, you you know, and if they have any color combinations that they want, you know, whereas GNR was just like, big, just make it, fuck it. And again, going back to what Doug said, you know, letting me do my thing. like. I get it. Like, you know, we've done shows where the band is like, well, everything needs to be, you know, green, yellow, and blue. And it's like, oh, it's a horrible mix of colors. It's going to look, but that's what they want. They're paying the bills. That's what they want, you know? And then a lot of times I get asked too by lighting designers, well, they've seen something and they want to replicate it. And, you know, it's like, well, why don't we make it different from the last one? But testing wise. So if you, I would call the manufacturer and they could send me video if, you know, they would do some testing on their end for me. Say we wanted to make a new mine with a a color mix, you know, a special color mix or something. So most of the pyro testing is, uh, is done at the the plant that makes it. Okay. You know, I would tell them, I, you know, I'm I'm looking for this, this, and this, you got a new video. And then they'd send me some video I said, okay, we're going to use. And then, yeah, you really don't, see the pyro show until you get to rehearsals and then you put it all together. And that's what I was talking earlier. I said, you know, it took a couple of months to get the GNR show right because, oh, we wanted pyro on this number. Okay, so we designed some pyro. Oh, but then they put it an inflatable, you know, a big inflatable monster on stage. Mm. Well, okay, well now, so now we're gonna move the pyro to another song because the monster was made for this song. So there's a lot of negotiation. There's a lot of give and take. And yeah, rehearsal is expensive. I mean, you know, typically we'll go in like for, for Ozzy, we would shoot it for him. So he would, we'd say, okay, these are the cues and we'd show him the cues. And then we would do a a rehearsal without the pyro. And then we would do a rehearsal with a full pyro rehearsal, just so everybody's comfortable with it. And no, it's, it's not cheap, you know? So that's, for pyro, there's really not the, the, the tweaking that's done live, you okay. know? So you get to rehearsal. If you came out with 30-foot product and you were told that the lights are, you know, you came out with 30-foot product and then all of a sudden the lights are at 28 feet, well, we got to do something here, you know, versus like a flame system. A flame system, I would build it in my shop And I'd play with it. I would send you videos of it. And we'd say, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's what we want. That's what we're looking for. You know, something like that. So flames, you can test and play with a lot more. Pyro is kind of, you know, you kind of got to know what you're doing. And that's why you have to have a good relationship with your manufacturers and your suppliers. So, you know, when you order a 50 foot thing, it's going to be a 50 foot thing. And then we also have amongst ourselves in the business, we know that Whenever you order anything from this company, it's ten foot shorter than what they tell you it is. You oh, know? Yeah. oh yeah.
2: Just ask Brando there. Did you think of Spinal Tap then?
1: <laughs> Do Excuse I think? You? think of Spinal Tap? Oh yeah, yeah with I the uh. Yeah, no.
2: everybody,
3: <laughs> everybody has had Spinal Tap moments. Everybody. I can tell you, GNR has had Spinal Tap moments with the inflatable getting unplugged. And wilting during the song, you know, (laughs) or the fan motor burning out.
0: Or funny about that is, I did the. uh, I was a tour coordinator for Dr. Dre's uh, Up and Smoke tour, right? And and I had told Paul Eminem's manager who to use for inflatables, right, from the old GNR days. And he went the cheap route. And so the, the opening show, Eminem had these two fingers, and they went. (laughs) i was cracking up i'm like you idiot you shouldn't listen to me right go with the tried and true baby
1: (sighs) that's funny and it actually does remind me of i think it was spinal tap on the simpsons where they had a devil that just totally deflated (laughs) which is just
0: and i gotta
3: another like so if you want to talk about inflatables for a minute so on the stadium when we were doing the festivals in europe
0: with inflatables (laughs) beat
3: and we had platforms we had the platform for for the inflatables and we had like three or four different inflatables and the different songs had a different you know and so gnr there was a set list but the set list didn't really mean all that much the set list because axel would do an audible and just you know, I want to do this one next, or a song that's not even on the set list. Right. So we kind of negotiated that it would always begin with this song, and this song will have pyro, and it will always end with this song, and this song will have pyro, and then these other songs would happen somewhere in the middle. <laughs> so you had to be ready, like by, like you couldn't leave the pyro board. You had to be standing by, and it would be like...
0: <laughs> It used to be hilarious as the manager to watch him call an audible and watch everybody screaming. Right? I mean, even Adam Day, he has to change the guitar on slide. Yeah. Phil Ely, right? I'm watching Ely sit so, there. He's got to pull up something up else. Up. By the way, I wanted to ask you. You mentioned that the LDs sometimes have some lighting I have some input. Did Phil have any input, or is he just like go? Pete. No,
3: no, no. He because you know then me and him had to work on colors. Like yes. if I'm shooting. You know, if I've got red and green pyro and then he would stay off the red and green lights, he would give me complimentary lights. And then, you know, for for the big pyro moment, because let's take live and let die. So some of the live and let dies, again, we did a concussion and then we did some sort of pyro and he would pull out on the lights, you know, go dim. And then other ones, we did the concussion, but no pyro and he did the audience blinders. Yeah, yeah, right. So Absolutely. yeah, you really have to work with the lighting guy because the lighting guy could crush your pyro look with yeah. one one finger to yeah. turn on every light.
0: Makes mm. sense.
3: You know I mean? The pyro's going to look small.
0: Makes mm. sense. Hey, let me ask the youngsters on the, um, Bill, I'm going to start with you and then Brando, I want to hear your response. Bill, you mentioned, Do, you, uh, do you, Brando, do you mm. find it to be spinal tap? So would you say that having the pyro detracts from this show if they if they integrated guns because we that's why we're here because we all have worked with them and and, or are fans of them so do you think that it would detract from the performance or would you like to see it bill and then brando i'd like to get your opinion on
2: it i i like pyro i'm a big fan of it i'm I'm a big kiss fan i love kiss and i think it's awesome in you know stadium shows and all that well i also love Like, I saw social distortion the other week in a small venue. I love the the small, just the house lights thing. But no, I don't think it detracts from it. I think it's just, it just makes it a bit more of an exciting show. And Brando?
1: It depends. I think you're going to go see a band like Kiss, uh, you know, Alice Cooper, like any hard rock band, it adds to stuff. But uh, Pete made a great point earlier where if it's just all pyro, then it's the, it's, distracting. It's just like, well, I'm, I'm here just watching a fire show with, with, but music. I, yeah, now you, yeah, yeah. I'm watching a
3: firework show that a band happens to be playing. At.
1: <laughs> sure. Sure. Absolutely. Uh,
0: I, so, so Pete, uh, Putting it back in peace court real quick. How much modern day would it cost to add the similar show to Guns N' Roses set?
3: I, I'm really not the guy to ask for that. I never did that. I, that I put that to another office. I, I designed the show. And, you know, what's this fucking thing cost who knows you know? okay. uh, but no I mean it's it's gone up quite a bit I mean uh, all right I'm putting together a show right now for a band we, we go to rehearsals next week the tour is August September October and we're looking at 600,000 for the tour and that's confetti smoke pyro flames uh, a snow gag. We have it snowing oh, for three minutes, you okay. know, and that's like a five man crew. Oh, lasers too. Cause we have oh, a laser, wow. we do lasers. So, you know, and, and that's, yeah. So I don't know, you know, we could divide that by how many shows and, and yeah. you get a number, but you know, it's like things for us, like insurance for us keeps going up and up and up and, and product keeps going up and up and up because, you know, I look at what I, You know i look at what we did a show for 10 or 20 years ago the numbers wouldn't even you know like oh my god it would be night and day i I mean easily a 10 15 time increase Mm -hmm. on just everything that it takes to do it
0: Uh, it's it but it's uh commensurate with what ticket prices have escalated to. yeah yeah and you know that's but but then again it's
3: it's not the cost of the cost of the show has let's just say if the cost of tickets has gone up a hundred times, the cost of the show has only still gone up 50 times.
0: Yeah. Well, I, yeah so you're actually validating my point as to why yeah. I've gotten away from it. When, I mean, because here's what people don't realize. I never had a, a ticket over $25 on usual yeah. Not once. Not once. I don't care what the market was.
2: Yeah. You're not doing and the Bruce Springsteen
1: method. You're not doing the Bruce method. Yeah, not. You're not doing the Springsteen method of uh, $5,000 seats. You're not, you didn't do that. <laughs> That's where we're at now.
0: And, and even back then, there was Golden Circle. It was, you know, people were using the Golden Circle. I would never do it. I just thought, you know what? I want people to be able to afford the ticket because mm-hmm. I want the the very best fans to be in the front row. I don't want the banker's kid to be in the front row. Yeah. yeah. In the I want the I want the you know the raging crazy G fan to be within the first five rows. Yeah.
2: No, no more legalities these days are like getting shaken down by health and safety and permits and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I think that's what he's alluding – what he's uh, piece alluding to is it, when he talks about insurance, you're right, it would be insurance and permitting and everything else goes up. Right.
3: And, but you see, like, so insurance and permitting, I would think that what's gone up the most for us is insurance. Right. And then the second would be the actual cost of product, right. permitting and everything is has gone up, you know, relative to the, to inflation, but it, permitting is still the cheapest, you know, the the cheapest thing. Now the the insurance, you know, and then you know, different bands like for the stones, we have to buy a, a more expensive policy. That's what they asked for,
0: mm-hmm. you know.
3: Uh, so yeah, it's it's, and again, that all goes back to what we were talking about earlier off camera. It's just not the same world. Oh, no, it is. See, I used to be able to. I can put a price together pretty quickly. Now I got to look at a sheet of paper because I got to remember. Oh, that's right, this change. Oh, we got to add that. Oh, we—it's—it's it's just a, a totally different animal that, than what it used to be, you know. But um, you know, going back to a you, when you were talking about with the current uh, GNR show, so I can tell you a little bit of the the background on it because I was there for the last pyro show. So we were doing pyro, uh, let's just say pre-COVID, so a couple of years ago. And the last show that they did was at Caesar's Palace in Vegas. And we had, Caesar's Palace had just installed for a previous artist, let's just say Celine Dion, I believe it was for her, a hundred foot wide by 40 foot high video wall that had a slight curve to it. And when management saw that, they were like, wow, we could do so much with this. So they said, well, we're gonna, we're gonna get a huge video wall and we're gonna put the pyro up on the video. And we're also gonna put staging up. So the, the current GNR tour is very little stage set everything is on the wall. Everything is on, all the money went into the video wall. They actually went with a smaller lighting rig because you're getting so much light coming yeah. off the video wall. Mm-hmm. So they downsized, they kept, you know, the same size PA, but they downsized the the lights. They downsized the stage set and they, they dropped the pyro. And now it's all, you know, flames are on stage, there's fireworks. I mean, it's kind of, it's, again, it's, kind of cheesy and if you've never seen guns and roses it's a great show if you've seen the old guns and roses it's an okay show
0: yeah 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 i i would agree with that i would agree with that okay um, Fair. You know, a lot of people don't know it um i think those that have watched this show or listened to the show probably do know but i designed those stages those big stages yeah um, you know the one, the one with the metal grating, and, and that was all my concept. And even when we took it out on the on the Metallica tour, you know. And, and I had heard, by the way, that the reason James blew up is because Lars changed the pyro cues by putting the monitors under the stage.
1: Can you
3: talk and about yeah.
0: without talk- telling anybody? Without well,
3: t- hold on. I'll tell you something. All right. Okay. This is uh, I don't care. <laughs> okay. All right. Here Come you on. go. Yeah. So I'm yeah. working for Metallica. And I'm working for Guns N' Roses, right? I'm currently on tour with Metallica, and we start talking about the GNR Metallica package, that tour going out. So now I'm gonna shoot both bands. Lars catches wind, wind of this and says, Well, I don't want you shooting Guns N' Roses, I only want you shooting us. So I gotta call Opie, the production manager at the time, and I say, Look, you know, Lars wants me you know, to pick a band. And, you know, and he goes, all right, let me call Axel. Opie calls him back a little while later and says, how much do you want? And I said, well, they're going to give me this. So he goes, all right, we'll give you that. And I said, okay. So now I got to call Lars and I tell Lars, look, you know, your little, I didn't tell him this, but like, look, your little plan backfired. And now I'm not shooting you. You know? So Lars had Tony DeChacho call opie to confirm how much they were paying me Uh Mm -hmm. then lars calls me back to basically curse me out and call me a traitor and whatever and whatever and whatever and whatever and i'm like look, i really you know i don't care so now the ill-fated night this is how long ago it was and, Doug, we might have to explain. I'm going to reference something to you kids. Oh, there on. used to be a thing called a Game Boy.
1: Oh, come and, on. I grew up with Game Boys. Come on. I'm 38. When yeah.
3: I'm <laughs> I had a Game so,
1: Gear. I, I'm good. So
3: Metallica is playing, and I'm sitting on a road case because Guns N' Roses is going to go next. And I'm playing my Game Boy. What game? And I'm playing a game, and I'm playing a game, and all of a sudden Perfect. I hear this horrific guitar noise.
0: Crank, crank, crank,
3: crank, crank. And everyone's like, James is hurt. James is burnt. So we all run to the stage. So by the time I got there, they were, you know, they the medical team was bringing him off. Well, what happened was, the guy that was shooting it, who was their guy, used to shoot it in Europe for them. they had moved so like you said they had moved some monitors and they had moved a piece of pyro and james walked to his spot so he's, he's playing guitar so he's got his arm you know, he's like this right so the pyro thing is is right here so here's the pyro and his arm was right here and he walked to his cue to his spot his normal cue and then they shot the pyro but then he did like a half a step and he actually passed his arm so the pyro was coming up as he passed his arm through it so it was like such a freak accident to happen you know so the the pyro guys james stopped so the pyro guy hit the cue then james did that little half a step extra and put his arm right over it and then the riot ensued and then <laughs>
1: Yeah. Where were you during the riot? Where were you? Were you uh, hiding around? Like, I, was, your I, was,
3: uh, I was spraying kids with a fire extinguisher.
0: <laughs> I was gonna say, he doesn't hide from anybody.
1: No,
3: he I couldn't. was like, fuck you guys. Well, was like, to keep them off the stage, you, you, you spray the front row with a dry chemical fire extinguisher. They get the fuck know. out of your way. No, we were there. We were throwing kids off the stage. You know, we were just, some of them tried to get up there, and then it was grab the guitars. Yeah. after after all the big ticket items after the guitars you know were put away and a couple of other things and then by that time you know we had a full wall of security yeah. and they were uh, you know they were cleaning out the building but no that was not the, i've a couple of times i've you know i've stood my ground with a fire extinguisher
0: are oh, you kidding not just an extinguisher if it breaks out uh, screw the security guys. I'll take Pete on my side. Yeah. <laughs> do, I, uh, I mean, yeah. Right? Yeah, That's what
1: I'm really imagining is. you with just like your hands on, uh, you know, triggers with right. all yeah, these explosions, yeah, yeah. like, you know, explosives around you, like Danny McBride in Tropic Thunder, just ready yes, to go exactly. crazy. <laughs> right. So, yeah. I'd I'd be d- be
2: oh, I believe the merch I... done that was going on. What's do that, Bill? I... Oh. I'd just be looting the merch down while all that was going that's on.
0: Right. Yeah, that's right. Oh, no, that, that
3: was the greatest thing. There were like, there were people like actively rioting and trying to get on the stage. There were people running for their lives, and then there were people just hanging back watching
0: it. I don't know if you know this, but at the St. Louis riot, I got the guys in their cars with John Reese and the security guys sent them to Chicago. I took my laminate, my shirt off, and I pretended like I was a band member. And I actually uh, – do you remember when they took the hose from the cops? I actually – yeah, thanks, Brando. I actually I actually, grabbed the hose, right? They're like, fuck you, no. And one of the guys goes, he's one of us. Give him the hose. Oh, dude, I laid these guys down. <laughs> There's like 50 feet. They're sliding, right? And then I go out to the soundboard because I realized that Ely and David Kerr have never been in a fight, right?
2: Oh, right. They those guys –
0: There's guys jumping up and down on both of their boards. I'm knocking guys out right and left. And so I I knocked this one guy out from the lighting board. And Phil Ely, who's the nicest guy in the world, right? He's kicking his kid in the head. (laughs) I was like, Phil, he's out. Leave him alone, dude.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, like I said,
0: I was just, my main thing, I was, as
3: kids got up on the stage, I was just pushing them back down. And then, you know, I finally stood in the middle of the stage and took that fire extinguisher and just kind of Hose down everybody down there i cleared it out pretty good you know because for us i mean you get these kids so if you get up on the stage and you grab a drumstick fine you could stick that down your pants if you grab a handful of guitar picks or even a microphone what are you gonna do if you grab a guitar right. you know what i mean you could sneak a microphone out but i've seen people you know try and grab an amp where the fuck are you going it's you know what i mean are you gonna walk out carrying a marshall four cab yeah. And no one's going to go, hey, wait a minute, where'd you get? So, you know, St. Louis, they, yeah, it that's I mean. it's that they tried.
0: They yeah. tried to drag the PA out. They tried oh, to anything yeah. they could. They were dragging it outside. Hey. Screens, they pulled down. Oh.
2: Wait, yeah. I've
0: got to I'm ask. To that, uh, in a hell of a uh, home setup if you can put that TV screen in your,
2: <laughs> in your yeah. I've got to ask, why was he kicking the guy in the head? Did he just get a...
0: You you know, a light light like, like, I mean, what does a whiteboard like that cost,
2: Pete? Oh, 100000 those things yeah, are right. not cheap. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so he, he, was just, um, he was just defending his, yeah. That's his, his it, more or less, Bill,
0: just defending his turf, right?
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, you're almost in a war zone. I got to imagine. I mean, it sounds like a war zone. I know, uh, you know, some of Doug's stories, but then they hear your story of just like, oh, this this tour, this band. You know, P- uh, Doug, I'll tell you, uh, i I spoke to Peter Napoliello recently uh, former former a uh, senior VP of uh, promotions at Geffen and he calls me just to check in every now and then he's been on the podcast just like with you Pete and for some reason, just like Doug he likes to keep in touch with me and, and befriended me and you know he had spoken to slash recently says everything is great in the camp, but he used this uh this term and doug you'll probably get a kick out of it. He's like anybody that has worked with guns or roses has Tuck has their hands soaked in blood of the Hydra of GNR. That's what he said. (laughs) And and so, I mean, this just sounds like continuing stories. Um, I'm going to try to tweet out to get to see if people can call. I'm going to try to see if this works. Uh, I have told you guys off the air, I normally use this phone setup for my actual job uh, working for Premier Radio Networks and iHeartRadio, so... The phone is but, gonna.
0: I just have to say it. Um, I'm having a blast on this one because oh, yeah. there's, three, there's three guys that I love on this call besides myself, and, <laughs> and I get to
3: introduce you guys to each well, other. I'm, I'm telling you right now, we're gonna have to do a part two because I, every time you open your mouth, I'm like, oh my god, I totally forgot I know, about that I story. I know, oh, there, wait, there's, there. there's that. Oh wait, what about that one there? Oh,
1: yeah. Well, I was I, hoping you I, could I, tell me a story, a couple uh, stories one just bring us up to speed currently because the picture i Uh, used to promote you is you with keith and uh and ron wood like uh, how far back do you go with the rolling stones are you buddy your buds with them
3: 20 years wow yeah 20 years or so yeah i mean you know keith and ronnie and mick they're all really really nice like they'll say hello they remember your name
2: they you know
3: Keith and Ronnie, I get along with very, very well, and it's sad because they're actually very personable. I've been to a party at, at Keith's house, you know. I've been to a Mick's birthday party uh, twice. I've been to two parties for Mick, and I've been to a party, you know, for been to, to Ronnie's for for an affair. Uh, they're genuinely nice people. I kind of feel a little bit bad because. They are so popular and so recognizable that they need to have that little cocoon of bodyguards and stuff around them just so they can go get something to eat.
0: Yeah, yeah
3: they're really like, you know, do, just hanging around during the day after sound check or stuff. You know, hey, how's it going? What's up? It's going to be good. You know, I mean, it's just and I, I just see for me and Keith and Ronnie, every tour, I take a picture with that. And we started that like on the first tour. I said, "Oh, I'm a big fan. I got to get a picture." Okay, great. And then the next year, I was like, "Oh, let's do another one." So I've got like 20 years of me and Keith and Ronnie striking the same pose. Oh, that's cool. And you know, even to the point where we were we were doing a gig an outdoor, an outside outside gig, and it was pissing down rain. And I was in the you know backstage and taking off my rain gear and everything, and I'm standing there, and all of a sudden. I get pantsed. And the guy goes, Let me help you with that. Boom. And it's Keith. You know? He just happened to be coming in and he was like, Hey, lads, I'm sorry about the rain. Let me see if I can sort this out. Because he carried a voodoo stick. He had his rain stick. And he would go out on stage and say, No rain, no, and do whatever, you know. So, yeah, he came in, you know, for sound check and we were back there like, as I said, you know, taking off our rain gear and the guy pants me and you just turn around. What are you doing? You get Ronnie or, or, I mean, Keith, you know, because yeah. like, hey, Keith, what's up, you know? So they're genuinely just really nice guys, you know? And then uh, if, if Ronnie, if, you know, if if Keith, and they all have their family, I was gonna say both Ronnie and Keith and their wives and stuff, you oh, here, come stand over here. Here's a cool place to stand. And they're just chat with them, like just like people, yeah. just like like people in the shop, like the guy you would work with every day. So that's one of the most amazing things about them, you know because people are like, oh, there's all the bodyguards and you can't get near them and yeah you know, but if it was up to them, they would not have that.
1: Yeah yeah no, you
3: know, and I, I think a lot of artists you know are, are get like that a lot of it's, it's like this. the more big and famous you are, the nicer you actually are. It's something like the little guys that think they just got famous. Those guys are assholes. Those guys are just... But these guys that have been mega famous, any one of the ACDC guys, you know, all these guys just, you know, just even like Slash. He runs a Slash and you start talking to him about anything you want, cars, snakes, whatever. And then he'll just, he's just a guy. So, yeah, it's the people that have been Famous forever are over it. Well, it's the people that just got famous, they're the ones that are assholes. Like all the ones on TikTok.
1: Yeah, like the people on TikTok, they TikTok famous, they think they're somebody. It's like, oh,
3: yeah.
1: uh, Who are you? But let me ask, because Doug is certainly one of his favorite things to do is to tell people what Axl Rose is really like, but that he's a nice guy, he's funny, you know, he he has a wall of people around him, but I I get that. So I'm just curious, uh, other than him calling Audibles, what was your experience with Axel? You know, any any like fun stories? Anything maybe he complimented you about a certain explosion that happened, or ever come to you with an idea, perhaps?
3: Yeah, you know, a, a lot of times you know, you'll even get people that are supposed to be aloof and whatnot. But once they realize that, oh, this guy over here with the button can fuck me up, he <laughs> go say hello to this guy, you know? He goes, hey, what's up, man? You know, am, is it cool? Can, am I safe to stand here? You know, can I get closer to it? Axel is very, see, Axel's very professional, actually, aside from him coming in habitually late and all the other things, you know, that were more of his quirky persona. But once, you know, he's out there, you, you can't stand here, here, and here. Okay, can you put some tape down? Yeah, big red X, don't stand here.
0: Great. yeah He's I very... <laughs> I that X is yeah, you put a big red X right here.
3: You know, and then when we built... Um, he wanted a motorcycle piano stool. Right. So I ride. So my buddies and me, my, my friends got a shop, a bike shop in, in New York at the time. So we built this piano... Bench That was the rear end of a Harley. So it was from like the handlebars back. So we'd taken off the handlebars and it was the seat and the gas tank and we had to lower the frame. But Axel sat on that and we even wired it up that when he hit the sustain pedal on the piano, it turned the brake light on on the motorcycle.
1: That's badass. And That's the, badass. The
3: light would be on the whole time, but when he hit the sustain pedal, the brake light would, would flash. And he really liked it, you know. Loved it. He had a little interaction. He told me kind of what he, you know, what his vision was and what he thought he wanted. And then when we built it, you know, he's like, oh yeah, no, really great. You know, we showed him, all right, this is the only, you know, you get on it here, you gonna know, throw your leg. He's like, oh yeah, no, I know what I'm doing. I know, all right, cool, cool. You know, he's very, he's childlike almost in his. He's-
2: piano with elton john huh did he use that piano um seat with elton john at the awards i don't know i, I know he's had it out a few times is that like the current one, one that he
0: uses the he know? Had it on the tour. i think he i think yeah bill i think you're right i think maybe he did actually because once yeah two PMs, you know, PMs,
2: isn't
0: it? yeah yeah and pete by the way is i didn't it? know that you were responsible for building that so thank you he loved that man yeah no he, yeah Longer. Yeah, no, Opie
3: can so sure, I remember Opie was like, You got, you ride. With my Opie oh. imitation. I'm like, yeah, he goes, oh, That's a like Opie,
0: man. To, you know anybody can to build to a trip.
3: fucking thing? Sure, I know a bunch of people that can build it. All right, give me a fucking price. Axel wants a fucking shake. So, no, Axel was like, Yeah, you know, everybody, I don't know. There, there's people that are afraid of him. There's people that live in fear of him. There's people that, you know, try to avoid him. He's a quirky guy. He's not evil is not mean no, no, I,
0: I do have a question for you Pete, because this is kind of important as it relates to what i was trying to build did it feel like a family
2: yes thank yeah. you
3: thank it you it was That's very to to me. there were not a lot of people there that didn't want to be there you right. had to i mean because because of the audibles that the show could change every night and because Some nights you'd be there until, you know, three in the morning waiting for Axel to start. Yeah. (laughs) You had to want to be there. You couldn't have taken it lightly. It, you know, you had to understand, you know, you you had to understand what this job entailed. So I don't know, because there were people that didn't like it and quit, but the people that, that understood it liked it. And it was because, I remember we we were loading in somewhere in Europe, and it was just pissing down rain. I mean, just crazy, crazy, crazy. And production came and, and said, look, uh, we don't know. We don't know if we're going to do the show or not. You know, we're trying to find out. Uh, everybody just, you know, we'll see what's going on in a few minutes. So, all right, a little while later, they said, look, it's it's not going to happen. We're going to try and postpone it for another day. But there's a pub up the street and we just made arrangements for the whole crew, 60 people. You're going to go up to this pub, free food, free drink. And then while we sort out, you know, are we going to reschedule the show for tomorrow or are we going to load out tomorrow? You know, so just a little thing like that just, just means a lot to So really, so we get to get out of the rain. We get to go to a nice pub and and eat and drink and then you'll let us know. So the little, you know, it's, that that's what makes it more of a, a, a family vibe, you, you, you know, to, to take care of the crew, and then the crew is, you know, all right, fine. We were in the rain for twelve hours.
0: Right? I'd love to take credit for that, but it really Opie that would make calls like that, and I'd yeah. say, of course, because my my thought was always working with Guns and Roses is tough. It's just yeah. tough, right? And like you said, you got to love it, or or you'll bail.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. those that were around we wanted to make feel like a family, up, and, and that's why and Axel did and so the band members did as well. Yeah. You know, Axel would do his New York dinners. I'm sure you remember those, Pete. Oh yeah, yeah.
3: That steakhouse down by the meat packing ditch. Oh my god.
0: We'd have to literally send Jerry and the tour accountant, in to settle the bill.
3: Yep. You know?
0: And they were over a hundred thousand dollars, those bills. Oh I mean, no,
3: and there, and there were a couple of other times where it's kind of like axel's way of apologizing because i guess he would know that oh man i made everybody stay late you know five times in a row and it rained really hard that night and it's, you know let's let's do a dinner and then you'd get a you know there'd be a thing on production and it says hey axel's gonna spring for dinner you know next week on the day off we're all going oh fantastic so even like that and he would go around and say hello to everybody. Like go to table to table and say, "Hey, thanks guys. Hey everybody, thanks for working hard. You know, and so it's the little, it's it's the little interactions like that. Again, just remembering somebody's name, just waving at somebody, saying hello, you know. Now you gotta understand too that right before the show, people are in a zone, people are a persona, you know, let them have that. You, but, but, again, during the day for sound check and stuff, just kicking around, just being a guy, you know? Well, a lot of people have this, like, the, the weird – because they only hear the bad Axel stories.
1: Exactly, you know? which is why I try to uncover the other stuff. You know, that's why I yeah, ask I mean, you.
3: I can tell you bad Axel stories, but you've already heard them.
1: I don't want to hear them anyway because we all yeah. we all have bad yeah. days, and I don't want people – you know. My listeners do maybe, but I don't want to hear them.
3: I'll tell a a bad axle story that ends up good that Doug will like. Okay. So when they were going to get back together and do GNR without Slash, right? Uh, So um, we were going to start it in Europe was, was the, the the first show. So Tom Mayhew is production manager at this time and Tom, uh, you know, gets it all together and we're over there and, I see him in the bar the night, the I see him in the in the hotel bar and I go over and I talk to him. I'm like, hey Tom, what's up? He's like, Oh man, he goes, Listen, don't tell, don't say this to anybody. Don't tell anybody. I said, What? He goes, Axel's still in LA. Axel hasn't gone to the airport. He's changed his flight three times. And I'm like, Well, yeah, but the show's tomorrow. He goes, I know. I said, Well, what are we gonna do? Said, we're gonna go there. We're gonna go there, you know, we're gonna go. And if he doesn't show up, we'll We'll figure it out. So in the morning we all go down for bus call. Now Tom hasn't said anything to anybody yet. And I see him and he's like, got his phone in his hand. And I'm like, Tom, what's up? And he's like, and we Axel's nickname is Big Red. Big Red, right? He says uh Big Red's on the move. I said, what do you mean? He's on the move. He's going to the airport. He's going to the airport. I said, okay, we get there and you know we 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 start loading and we're eating breakfast and stuff. You know, we're we're kind of loading in. I said, Tommy, he's at the airport. He's at the airport. And like a little bit later, it's like, Big Red's on the plane. Big red's on the plane. I mean, we literally went there to load in that morning, not knowing if he was flying from LA to the UK or not. You know? So yeah, there was some Crazy Axel things, you know? And then, I mean, the band did get upset with him coming on late. And if I remember Doug, and I, I'll tell this story because, again, I would tell this story in mixed company. The band finally told Axel, if you want to go on late, that's fine. You're going to pay the overtime bill to the union. True. And that kind of made him not so late. <laughs> yeah. He was still late.
0: Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was.
3: It was. It was after Madison Square Garden. He came in two hours late, and it was some just insane overtime bill. Just and so the rest of the band said, "Well, why are we responsible for that?" You know. So they said, "All right, Axel. Look, you can still come in any time you want, but it's on your dime."
0: Hmm.
3: You know. So yeah, the guy was
0: quirky, but he wasn't. He wasn't a total dick. He was a nice guy.
3: We're all
1: quirky. We're all quirky.
0: I mean, yeah, it's um, the thing that nobody realizes that whole late thing because he was my best friend. I can tell you exactly where it emanated from, factually, where it came from. He has the biggest fear of failing of yeah. any singer I've ever met. You yeah, know, he wouldn't All he, like he, Showing up late is him spending four hours trying to get his vocals prepared. And if he makes a eh! noise, you know what, you paid good money for your ticket. I'd rather just not even fucking go on stage. Yeah, there. no, no it was, he
3: was. He was going to come out when he was ready, right. just, just, just like you're saying. Because some nights too, he'd be in the dressing room and you hear him vocalizing, and it's like, "Oh, the show is supposed to start." It was like, "All right," but Axel's still doing his vocal exercises. When he's done, yeah,
0: in fact, buddy, and fact, come out start your, the buddy, show. your buddy Keith had one of the greatest lines ever when Axel left the whole band. Right? It's supposed to be a pay-per-view, Brando, You know about the pay-per-view, Bill. You <laughs> do, too. but you know they're going to come out and do one song with them. And Axel left them waiting for like three hours during soundcheck. So he, I guess Jagger was livid. And so Axel finally makes it onto the stage for soundcheck. And Keith comes up to him and goes, "Look, man, I passed passed out in a fucking chandelier at 3 a.m. Where the fuck are you?" <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: Bye, man. That's a great line. Yeah,
1: yeah right. <laughs> if he can make it, Axel could make it. Wow, I, I really appreciate these.
2: Uh, well, you know, what, um, Tottenham. Sorry to interrupt you there. God. Tottenham the other week. Yeah, Axel's voice went. Mm-hmm. Um, there was about an hour and a half late, and mm-hmm. he came on and he had to sing in different keys and stuff. But right. he did it, and he did it all with a big smile on his face. He was lovely all night. Right. He didn't. Look, he didn't look pissed off or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so,
0: well, yeah,
2: and that's
0: one thing you know. People like to, and you've heard me say that, Randall. But people like to trash Team Brazil. Now, I may not agree with everything that they do, but at the end of the day, you know what? I see that guy getting on stage, and he's happy. And I was never never able to do that for him. And so I literally, at the end of the day, I go, you know what? God bless Ben and Fernando. I'm literally, God bless him for what they've done. Because he's happy. And all that I've ever wanted for the guy, because he was my best friend. Just be happy, dude. Just Mm -hmm. enjoy your life. And I see him out there now. And he's having a good time. And clearly, he's being communicative with Duff and Slash. Yeah. That was never the case before. So I, I love it. I mean, I love it. I think that, yeah. that Team Brazil, um, as it were, um, have made – they put this reunion together. Yeah. Right? Now, you can, we can bash them and sit here and talk shit on them all day long. But at the end of the day, they were able to do something that I wasn't, which is to put the reunion together. And, and I'm seeing Axel smiling. And I can never make that guy smile. I don't know how they're doing it, and I don't care.
1: Yeah, I was. That doesn't. The bad mouthing doesn't. Uh, and that's usually a lot from the fan base. I don't say it because I don't know these people. Uh, because of them, somebody who I was not at the User Illusion Tour, as we discussed, neither was Bill. Because of them, I get to see Axel and Slash on stage for the first time. You know, first times in my life because I missed out on the original uh, classic lineup. So the only thing is like – so that's why uh, I'm happy to get you peed on and I'm always hesitant because there are rumors I've been told uh, after I've had Frank, Dizzy, and Richard on that they uh, – that Fernando was uh, allegedly sent a text to all the quote-unquote non-famous members of GNR. So not slash Axel and up to not do interviews unless they were approved by him and I was specifically named. So that's why even before this episode, which you're sure you can vouch for, I'm like, don't I don't want anything salacious. That's what I say. so but as we've discussed about the you have people around you, maybe physically at times, I understand the need to have a kind of a metaphoric barrier around you to protect you and to protect this thing that's happening because of how tumultuous uh, user illusion that tour was and they barely survived it. So I understand all of that and why I'm grateful that I can get Pyro Pete on the podcast that you're not saying no, <laughs> that I could talk to yeah. Doug Goldstein too, because it's a, it's a crazy band that you guys know better than I do.
0: Yeah, And again, so back to team Brazil. I mean, obviously do I feel like I would know more about production? Yeah, of course I do. Right. I've been doing it my whole professional career and I offered to help for free. I really did. But you know, I have, as most people know, I have issues with some of the guys, and until those are resolved, uh, I, I don't know when and if I'll ever speak to them again. Um, and But uh, I would have loved to be able to help them. I wouldn't charge yeah. them
2: maybe, right? or I'd maybe I'd whatever love, you I'd love to see you work with G&I again, Doug. That would be like – Well, I still love those guys, Bill, and you know that. We talk reunion, a union
0: though.
2: Yeah. yeah. Awesome.
0: I always will love those guys. What, what has hurt my feelings, and Brando, you and I spoke about this recently, but what really hurt my feelings is that Slash writes in his book, and him and I were the business partners. That's it, him and I, from day one, him and I ran advanced business. Because Axel was like so inside of his head, but I didn't bother him with it. But Slash puts in his book that he knew from the beginning not to hire me as a manager, because I'm a creep. And I'm like, dude, what? I'm a con man, what? What are you saying?
3: Well, come on, every manager is a con, man, because that's part of the job. That is literally part of the job description. You know, you've got to be a but bit.
0: My, but not with my band members, you know, Pete? Right,
3: right, that's what I mean. More of like selling, you're a salesman, you've got to cut the deals. You you know, you you need that attribute Absolutely. to survive in that job.
2: I would agree. I would agree. Didn't, slash, didn't Slash sign a contract with Jerry Heller? I don't know.
0: You know, I have a Heller story that's pretty funny. I mean, the guy was, you know, 110 years old. He was on a flight, and his wife was, like, 27. And John Reese, uh, the old tour manager, and I, and Pete knows John pretty well. But we were were on a flight. Our wives were coming later, and we were flying to Hawaii. And uh, uh, I saw him, and I was, like, hey, Mr. Heller. I said, Doug Goldstein. And if you know, I manage Guns N' Roses, and this is our tour manager, John. And, you know, he acted all nice. And so then he does an interview and he said that we were hitting on his wife, and he almost kicked my ass. <laughs> Not right, like, dude. What? You what? <laughs> He's 110. Dude, come on, flop you and put you into fucking coach.
2: <laughs> oh my! So,
0: God. Yeah, well, I had heard something about Heller, but I, who knows? I don't. I don't know.
2: I read it somewhere. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right.
1: Well, you know what? It's been kind of a, a blessing even though, because like last episode I spoke to, again, I, I mentioned I spoke to Brian from Ultimate uh, Classic Rock and he interviewed Slash last year and I'm just like, oh, is it ever going to happen for me? But you know what? I'm glad in a certain way that it's, I don't have access, that, that a lot of these interviews are challenges because I get to meet people like Pyro Pete whose, people, whose stories aren't always told. And I, I mean, a Hofstra alum. I wouldn't. Have, yeah. I wouldn't have known that. You were the. Uh, we were the Flying Dutchman, though, back then, right? No, and now we're the Hofstra Pride. But we were you the Flying oh, Dutchman?
3: Okay. Yeah, I know we were Dutchmen back then. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I lived. That's where I grew up in Uniondale. I grew up in the shadow of Hofstra. That's why my mother worked there. It was she walked to work. Then and me... then after after like fifteen years, like I said, we got to the point where tuition was next to nothing. So it was like you're going to college, and luckily they had, like I said, they had a, a, a entertainment. Yeah. So I'll just yeah. I'll
1: just ask this, and maybe we can do a part two. And uh, you know, I'm grateful for your, for your time and Doug's and and Bill. Thank you so much for for hanging out as well. But for someone who's from where I'm from, and all, and you were talking about how you've you hang out with the Rolling Stones. You know, do you ever just sit back and be like, "Whoa, this is my life." That all started with me setting ants on fire with a, a magnifying glass. Yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, know if you did I that, still, but
3: you know, it's still kind of hard to wrap my head around the fact that this is the job. Hmm. Like, really? You want me to do that? Like, look, a couple of years ago, I got a phone call from a friend of mine and it's, he was, he's like, hey, I'm doing something over at the Blasio, blah, 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 blah. I need 300 feet of flame in the fountain, about six foot tall. I'm like, sure, I'll figure out how to do that. Like, I like that just come with whatever ridiculous dumb thing you have and I'll make it happen. I love that. So it's, it's just, a, it's a blessing. It's such a fun job. And I do it all the time. I look back and I think, you know, I try not to be a dick about it, you, you know, but you you, know, you look back and you go, wow, I've done some crazy shit. And I think, well, wow, there's only a very small percentage of people on the planet that have done what I've done, you, you know, or been where I've been. And,
2: you know, you know, yeah. you know
0: you know what I just thought of, what I need to start? I don't even know where to go, but I need to start a rock and roll crew Hall of Fame.
1: Sure. Yeah.
0: Right? Because there's so many people that belong there. You know, the production manager, Benny Collins, right? A guy like him or You know, um, God dang it. The guy that did, Jerry Sickles.
2: Yeah. These are nah. people are
0: no longer with us. I mean. You're, you're right. And even the managers, Doc McGee and Peter Mench and all these guys that
2: we mm. love, you know. they
3: Going back with Cliff Bernstein, the people that nobody even knows exist, you
2: know. Exactly. Remember the, Pan, the Pantera crew? They were almost as big as the band at one point. I don't know if yeah, you've right. seen the Pantera yeah. videos, yeah.
1: You're right. Yeah. Uh, they do they, they do that in Sports Hall of Fames. You see yeah. even writers get in.
2: Well,
3: the, the, the problem is, Doug, there's actually a couple of entities that are doing it, but it's not like there's that a uh, PLSN production live service or something. Uh, they do a, a yearly like roadie of the year, okay. but it's more ass kissy than real.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah, like
3: right. if you buy advertisement in their uh, magazine, yeah, you can I'm be up, company. Yeah. So it's, it's that's, I mean, it's, it's tied to a product.
0: You know what it is, Pete? You take people like you and I, and you put them on a board and we send it to Ballot and we send it to all the people that we know. And yeah. so it's legitimate. I'm going to get to work on it. I'll get to work on it. Okay. Awesome. In the meantime,
1: yeah. you know, because we can do a Pyro Pete part two. Uh, sure. But also, Doug, to pay respect to some of these hardworking people, some of them that you've named, if you want to get some more crew members of the Use Your Illusion tour to celebrate yeah. more of the anniversary of this, uh, you know, 30th anniversary, as my, my cat's making an appearance. <laughs> Blackie Clawless is here. He wants food. Yeah, yeah. What's he doing? I, Yeah, I, I had a long story short. Uh, I I've been working the morning show all this week, uh, producing it, so I have to get up at three in the morning. And my my wife was out late last night, and this guy just kept waking me up, meowing me. I go to bed like eight o'clock to get up at three, and he's just like, "I want food." I don't care that you are sleeping, but he's cute, and I I accept it. That's cute, man. Sorry, yeah. That's I guess. Th- I get sidetracked by cats easily. Right. Cool. Um, Bill, do you have any last questions before?
0: That's, that's always been something that pulled me away, too, is another name for cats. Oh, yeah. I've, yeah. I've been chasing that most of my life. <laughs> so listen, let's do – my only question
3: is when are we going to do part two because now I've, I've still got 100 stories. I'm like, oh, my God. Then there's that story. Then there's that story. Okay. You know?
1: So l- let, me, uh, let me get the screw in my mouth, as I mentioned, like yeah. missing tooth. And see where I'm at. And we can schedule a part two after that. All right. And, I'm down. And you know what? Uh, that time, I will plan more accordingly and promote to get solicit calls. I mean, because I guess tweeted it really. And you know what? I'm yeah, glad yeah. we didn't get any because I really wanted to hear your stories, man.
0: Because Pete, that's something that, that I really wanted you on for is to have call because yeah, Let's do it again. Because people like Bill, right. That love the band, but never saw you. usually listen to it.
3: Right. And then, the other thing, too, is like uh, when you do when you have call-ins, you get questions that like you wouldn't even think of. But they're amazing question. Sure. So, you know, because right now, like my mind, I'm like, oh, wait a minute. And then there's this story and then there's that story. And then, oh, that's right. There's it, you know, and then somebody else will ask a question out of left field for something that I totally even forgot about. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, I'm down. Let's do it again, man.
1: It'll be good because we got the because the, ma- the major question – because w- this is just from a listener on uh, Facebook. Uh, I just want to make sure I give him credit. Uh, J.J. Kingsley, he wanted to – I'll give him credit. Like, how did you feel about the Metallica's pyro guy messing up? So he wanted to, to know that. Um, I felt bad. I felt bad know. for him,
3: you know, uh, because it was – and James even said in interviews publicly, look, I wasn't wrong. I, I, I overstepped. I went one more step. You know what I mean? I missed my mark. So yeah. I feel bad for the guy.
1: Uh, but getting that big story out of the way, which was, I think was the major story. Next time you're on, I can solicit and people can listen to this episode and come up yeah, with some great yeah, questions. Yeah. And we can be, you know, because, again, I've never I haven't taken calls through a podcast yet. So we'll, we'll see. I'm glad. Again, I wanted to hear you. I wanted to hear your story. Uh, yeah, the Hofstra true. alum, which I didn't even know. Well, Doug, why didn't you tell me? I wouldn't, wouldn't even been more excited.
3: Oh, I mean, for, you don't tell a lot of people, oh, and no, I went for college for three semesters. Oh, so, yeah, <laughs> that's
1: true. That's true. It really...
0: came up on my computer. Fans allegedly sneak in and set off fireworks and crowd at Dua Lipa mm. concert. <laughs> <laughs> amateurs. They're amateurs, Pete. <laughs> yeah. I, I Doing it for the cheap.
1: There, there's yeah. so much I want to ask you next time about the way concerts are run today. And, you know, we, we've talked so many times about Axel stopping the crowd and not every band not our artist does that now. I mean, some do, but they're the World f- fiasco that happens. So there's a lot of plenty more to talk about next time. Uh, yeah. Bill, I guess before you go again, cause you're, um, I, I can't thank you enough for just being a listener of this podcast and joining and, Buying a, one of the three people that have my T-shirts.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah. no not, I mean they, they appreciate it. Um, nice to meet you, Pete, as well. And nice to meet you, man. Could I just um, shamefully plug, I've got a Facebook group, Guns and Roses Merchandise slash Memorabilia. We've just hit 12,000 followers tonight. So if wow. anyone's interested in... The cool old GNR merch or anything. Oh,
1: Just I didn't check, know uh, you run that that site. That's it. I followed that page.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, you're on it. Yeah, that's me.
1: So uh, to, to tie everything together, sorry. then uh, to Pyro, so uh, Tim Tricoli, uh, a fan of <laughs> Blackie's, really hanging out with me right now. I love yeah, it. Tim, I'm, I'm oh.
2: going to open up Facebook. What's what's the group? Uh, Guns and Roses merchandise slash memorabilia.
1: Love it. Uh, so Tim Tricoli, he is a you know he's been he was on an episode a long, a long time ago, but he's a big Guns N' Roses collector. He contributed to the box set. He's contributing to the User Illusion box set. That's gonna happen at some point. Uh, but when I said that Pyro is coming on, so if you go to Tim, what is it? It's TracoliTim dot or something like that. I, sh- I should get.
2: This right he oh, has some collectors on facebook that's tim's page
1: yeah so i'm going to show you share the screen and this is the picture that this is the, what he has he has your shirt pirate. <laughs> oh, wow so he ass? has <laughs> he has your uh stage and yeah, effects old
3: company shirt yeah
1: yeah do they still sell these? It's pyro Pete with a flame, skull, and crossbones. Well,
3: what we did, you know, for each tour, so either on the arm or on the chest, it would say, you know, Guns and Roses and the tour. Okay. So we never sold shirts; we gave them out to the crew. Mm. So he traded or borrowed or got this from somebody.
1: Okay. Right. Yeah, it's it's pretty badass. Definitely All pretty sense. badass. So to tie everything together, so absolutely follow Bill's group, uh, which right. is more. More followers than I do, so he's doing something right. Uh, All right, I'm on it. Doug? All right,
3: I got like I said, I got to run. I got a hundred other things. I, li- I leave for rehearsals on Sunday, and then I'm back in a week, and then more, more things.
1: So that so, does it. That does it for this episode.
0: You. <laughs> Love you guys. So Love you, brother. You got it.
1: That does it for this episode of Appetite oh, for Distortion. When do you going to see the next one? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it. I don't know if soon as the word. No! Fuck it! No! Thanks to the lame-ass security, I'm going home.